Hey folks, welcome back to the Field and Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thank you so much for joining me here today. And the funniest thing happened today. So I typically record my podcast early on Saturday mornings, and I was sitting here this morning staring at this long list of potential topics that I have that I've gathered from people suggesting them and stuff I need to talk about because people ask about it all the time. And I just couldn't get my mojo going. You know, has that ever happened to you? And so I thought, okay, I'm going to just stop and go do my social media post for this morning first, and then I'll come back. So I did that. And, you know, I try really hard, y'all, to answer and acknowledge all of my DMs on Instagram, and I do my best over on Messenger. Um, so I saw that I had some messages, some DMs over on Instagram. So I always tend to stop and do that first before I post. And I went and looked, and there was actually a message from one of my friends, Colleen. And Colleen had a question, and I thought, and she was suggesting that I do a podcast on it. And I thought, that's exactly what I feel like talking about this morning. So thank you, Colleen, for asking about the challenges that you're facing. Um, Colleen last winter lost her best friend, um, her Aussie shepherd of 16 and a half years, Bo, and she's now faced with selecting another dog. And she's really overwhelmed with the thoughts of, you know, it being in the garden. And she's realizing now how wonderfully Bo was trained, even though she didn't really think she trained him. You know, he stayed out of the garden. He didn't dig. He um, powdered his nose where she wanted him to. And she said, I'm just so overwhelmed. Can you talk about this? So I thought, I'm not really going to talk about training today. Um, because I talked a little bit about that in a previous episode about gardens, dogs in the garden, and we can talk more about that maybe in the future. But something that I really wanted, have, have been wanting to talk about, and this is just a perfect time, is is selecting your family dog. Um, because most of the time, this is how it happens. I know sometimes dogs show up or present themselves in a situation where you just feel like you have to take them. And you know, in fact, that's how I got Tucker. Um, So Tucker is my golden retriever that we have now. He'll be four, I think, in June. And we've only had him like a year and several months. And so that was like December, um, this past December, a year ago. And our golden Barry who was one of our dear dogs that we got also. She was eight when we got her from my friend Laurie, who was um, coming to the end of her battle of cancer. So Barry um, finally lost her battle with her health problem in December of 2019. It buried the first week. And we had no intentions of replacing her. Um, you know, of getting another dog right away. I mean, we just love, I mean, when Barry died, it was like my friend Laurie dying all over again. And so it was a tough time. 
Anyway, just out of the blue, literally dropped in my inbox um, was Tucker's situation. And my niece, Elora, pointed it out to me. And I said, no, 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 I do not want a boy. They hike their legs. You know, I'm a farmer. Um, you know, there was just, I had a lot of reasons why I didn't want him. Why I just couldn't let it go, um, that day. And anyway, so I understand about those kinds of situations where maybe a dog's in a bad situation and you take it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but we're going to talk about the different options of selecting a dog and are you really prepared, um, and equipped to handle the situations of when maybe a dog's not the perfect match for you and your um, situation. So if you guys are enjoying listening to my podcast, I would really love for you to subscribe, to share it with your friends. Um, And I just love talking about different topics that have everything to do with gardens, farming, garden dogs, and just life in general, right? So... The reason that Colleen reached out to me was because I posted an image on social media. So this is the week before Mother's Day. And as a flower farmer, you know, that's a pretty big event, right? I posted an image of this sweet golden retriever who seems to be so perfect. How he picked a bunch of peony buds and ate them. A, peonies are poisonous. They typically make dogs nauseous um, and digestive upset, but he didn't seem to have any problem. And so I, you know, made a cute post about him doing that, and that's what had her reach out and say, so what are you going to do about that? How are you going to handle that? So in my mind, the reason that Tucker got interested in the peony buds, which he had not even looked at, until I started harvesting this week. And because I was messing in them, you know, messing around with them um, and not playing ball with him, he's one of these dogs that is pretty, I mean, he's got high energy. And when I stop interacting with him in many situations, he'll get a little mischievous to try to get my attention, just like a child, I understand, right? And so... Because I was playing ball with him, which is his what he lives for, before I started harvesting, that was his way of saying, hey, look at me, look at me, let's play ball. So the way I'm going to handle that from now on is that Tucker will not accompany me to harvest the peonies. And that just kind of resolves the situation. Because the reality is he isn't really out there messing with those flowers unless I'm in them messing around, harvesting or doing whatever. Um, So I'll just leave him indoors while I'm doing that actual chore. And nine out of 10 times, that'll just resolve the problem, right? So I want to talk a little bit about um, selecting a dog. And I do really um, highly, you know, I was involved. So where do I come from? Where does this dog information come from? Um, My previous career prior to being a flower farmer since 1998 was I worked at a veterinary hospital for about 15 or 16 years. I really forget. Um, And I went to work at the veterinary hospital because I became highly involved 
in the sport of dogs. Fell into golden retrievers um, by way of having a really bad dog and having to go to obedience school. And I just fell in love with dog training and dogs and dog people. And so it kind of evolved from there. And let me just say that working at a veterinarian hospital gives you a look into dogs' lives or pets' lives, the way that people deal with stuff, the situations that happen, the accidents that happen, the emergencies that happen, the good stuff that happens. Um, And then on the other side of that, I was involved in the sport of dogs. Now, you know, so many people misuse, um, what do you want to say, titles, like a breeder. So what is a dog breeder? Um, In my mind, as a person that was a professional dog sporting person, um, I really wasn't a breeder. I did have a litter of puppies um, once, maybe twice, twice during my 15, 16 years. Um, But I had puppies for a very specific reason, um, and we went through all the screenings, and we'll talk about this, the health checks on the parents before they were even considered for breeding. And so I think people think that if you have puppies, that makes you a breeder. But in my mind, dog breeders are people that are serious dog sport um, enthusiasts who are breeding a dog that is worthy of being bred, meaning temperament. They don't have to have perfect confirmation, but they have to be a good representative of the breed. And then they have to have all their health clearances. What people don't understand about um, every dog has potential hereditary medical issues. I mean, a lot of people know about hip dysplasia. Well, that's just like the tip of the iceberg, y'all. There are so many specific problems that tendencies have happen in certain breeds. So when you are a serious enthusiast, you would never breed a dog breed that wasn't checked, whether they don't show signs of these things typically until sometimes later in life um, or until the disease starts to be active. And so they have screenings, you know, x-rays, blood tests. There's different screenings for um, ophthalmology eye exams. And so people that truly love dogs, love their breed, would never even consider breeding unless a dog passed all those tests. Then you get to the puppy part. I will tell you that what I hear people say is, oh yeah, I bought from a dog breeder, but they really call themselves that, and people that purchase puppies call them that because they're having puppies. Um, But you know, y'all, isn't it true of everything? There is so much more to that than what people think. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole there because this really is a pet peeve of mine, y'all. I'm sorry. I just see the results of whenever you purchase a living animal, whether it's a dog, a cat, or whatever, or get one, and it doesn't matter if it's a purebred or a mixed breed, it is so heartbreaking 
and I saw it over and over and over and over again working at a vet, where particularly young dogs um, fall victim to a hereditary disease. Now, I do need to say this. Just because a mother and a father dog, better known as a sire, daddy, and a dam, mom, are cleared for health diseases does not guarantee that the puppies will not have it. It just minimizes the risk, okay? So it's called genetics, y'all. Genetics are a crazy thing, and that's another part of buying from a knowledgeable, um, true dog-loving enthusiast because they haven't just cleared the parents. You know, they're looking at the dog's pedigree and saying, you know what, her mom, my dog's mom, you know, her, she had her clearances, but did you know the backstory that five of the other litter mates didn't have it? So you're, you're thinking to yourself, hmm, is it really worth, I mean, it's deep, y'all. It's deep. This is why you really need to go to dog enthusiasts to minimize your risk if you're thinking of a purebred. Um, and we're going to talk about mixed breeds too, but what I want to say to you is that, and this is all I'm going to say about people breeding dogs. There are, the, the newspaper, I'm saying the newspaper, but today it's on the internet and everywhere else, is full of people calling themselves breeders. But they are not what I consider a true dog breeder. A dog breeder is someone that I just explained to you. Someone that A, has a true passion and love and knowledge of a breed. Um, and they're taking all the steps to improve. And to the reason that they breed is they're trying to get specific traits, you know, trying to get themselves another puppy, whether it's a show dog or an obedience dog or what have you. Um, so that's just kind of my take. Um, and again, to say this because the mom and dad are cleared for a health clearance does not mean that the puppies are not going to have it. It still does occur. And, but you've minimized that risk because there is nothing more heartbreaking. I remember when I got, um, one of my dogs, I can't remember who it was, but it was an acquaintance. They got the most beautiful Labrador puppy I had ever seen. I mean, it looked, had the most beautiful head, tail. I mean, all those, you know how you kind of love certain things about certain dogs. I mean, it was just a gorgeous dog. It was a yellow Labrador. And that puppy at like five months started having serious hip problems. That puppy ended up having his hips replaced before he was a year old and did great. Went on, you know, of course having struggles because of that, but went on to live a, a great life. But the good news was he had parents, owners, that could afford thousands and thousands of dollars to do that. Um, and so there's more to this story, y'all. All right, so... There's so many choices, um, and that's what I just want to kind of go over a little bit is like, first off, what kind of dog do you want to get? There are so many, there are so many breeds now. And then, of course, there's the endless opportunity of mixed breed dogs, um, 
deliberate mixed breed dogs as well as those that are just happening. And there are amazing. Actually, one of the dogs I had several years ago, Butter was his name. Butter was a Collie Golden Mix that I rescued from the pound when I was down there getting Goldens um, out for the Golden Retriever Rescue that I worked with. And he was a wonderful dog. Um, but what I just want to say is that every breed of dog and then every mixed breed of dog of whatever breeds they're mixed up with have temperament and health issue tendencies. And that's what you need to think about. You know, people often will visit with our Goldens and they just fall in love, y'all. I mean, they just, people just melt into a big old puddle. I mean, especially our Golden Babs, who was real sweet and laid back and just sat at your feet and let you rub her and looked up at you with her long eyelashes and you just wanted to die. Um, why is that? That's because Golden's tendencies. Goldens are retrievers. Retrievers want to go get something and bring it back to you because that's what they live for, to please you, to please their person. But guess what? If my Golden Tucker went to another home within 30 days, as much as my husband doesn't want to believe it, he would love those people as much as he loves us. That is a tendency of Golden Retrievers. Herding dogs, you know, Aussies, Collies, Shelties, they are made to herd. So what does that mean? They tend to bark more. They tend to even sometimes nip the heels and calves of people and children because guess what? They're hurting you. You have to give, you have to help those dogs fulfill their tendency to make them happy and be a great family member. You know, Tucker, um, who is just a crazy ball fiend, he is such a good family member when he gets his two hours of ball play a day. When it's raining outside for days on end and he doesn't get that, he turns into, a, you know, a rebel in our house. He starts pick pulling the pillows off the bed. I mean, he just turns into this rambunctious bad little boy, but it's because his tendency is not being filled. So you need to consider if you say, okay, I want XYZ breed. It's like, all right, what is their purpose in life? And what does that mean they do? Um, you know, breeds that are protection breeds, people just don't even think about this. How many, and I'm not going to name a breed y'all because I do not want the, you know, the emails. Breeds that were made for protection are going to be tendencies to protect you and your home. And if you don't know how to ride shotgun on that, you're going to have a problem, whether that means they're going to be protecting you from your children or you from a visitor. Do you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is why that happens. Breeds have tendencies, so you need to do your research. And if you're looking at a mixed breed that's, you know, a, and you can tell what it is, you can know a little bit about what that dog's potential tendencies might be. So where should you go to get a dog? Well, there are so many places, y'all. Um, you know, there's humane societies and pounds, and there's so many different 
places. There's rescues, there's the dog your friend has that needs a home, and then of course there's what we call the real breeder. Well, there's just people that call themselves breeders too, right? So I just want to share with you my take and experience, um, some tips for all of the different um, areas that you can get a dog. Sorry, y'all got to take a sip. So let's start with like organizations, not um, so the rescue that I was with for all those years, um, we didn't have a facility. We had foster homes for dogs. So I, when I say, when we talk about rescues next, that's the model I'm speaking of. Going to a facility like a humane society or a pound, um, the first thing I suggest is if you have kids to do not take your children to go shopping for a dog. Um, that'll come. But I really recommend that parents go and do a little footwork before that happens. Um, because, I mean, every dog in there needs a home, y'all. It is just so easy to fall for one. And and I, I guess I should preface this with saying there are dogs that have issues that I think should be rescued for sure. But are, is your family and your situation equipped to deal with that? If you have kids, I think it is your obligation. It's a strong word, isn't it? I do think it's your obligation to research a dog and get the right dog that's going to fit your family without creating behavior issues that are going to make a problem later on, right? <clears throat> First off, you want your children um, to have a good experience. You don't want to have a dog that's going to turn into a biter, and you just don't even know how often that happens. I saw it firsthand over and over and over and over and over again, y'all. And it was all about poor choices from this step right here. Um, so to take a dog that has special needs and challenges, I believe people should do. But I don't think the people to do that, you cannot expect children to deal with that. And you don't want to, of course, put your children at risk. So that's a whole nother conversation, special needs dogs. And it's, you have to determine is a dog a special need dog. You cannot rely on other people's opinion because people don't know. Um, I mean, how many dog biting situations was I talked to about from people that had gone through it and in my dog professional mind, I listened to their story and there was a hundred red flags before the incident happened, but people don't recognize it. So you have to do your own homework. Again, this is why going to true dog people, people that are in the sport of dogs, that love dogs and no dog behavior is so beneficial, y'all. But when you want to do a rescue, when you want to go to an organization and walk into that room of 100 or 50 or 25 dogs, um, there's just a couple of things. You know, I walk, don't take your kids. You walk in and you just kind of observe, you know, the dog. You know, the one that is barking his head off uh, may or may not be a great dog, um, but you have to choose the one that you're pulled to, I guess. 
And then the thing that um, we do when I would go pick up dogs for the rescue to make sure that I'm not getting a dog that has a real dominance issue, a dog with a dominance tendency, a strong dominance tendency, perhaps is rehabbable, but that's not a dog for a family. And so how do you figure that out? So I would take a leash with me, um, and you may or may not, if you're a, a seasoned dog owner, you might have a toenail trimmer you could take with you. I had a little kit that I took with me, a dog leash, some snacks, um, and I would take a nail trimmer with me. And I would ask, you know, I'd like to visit with that dog. Can you put him on a leash or here's my leash? So I can take him out in a quiet place and get him away from the other dogs. You take him outside and sit quietly with him for just a minute. What is he doing? You know, I mean, is he focused on you or is he focused on getting away from you? Or, um, you know, what I would always be really happy to see is a dog that just kind of calmed down after a minute or two and just was just interested in me whether that meant Cam coming and sitting next to me or interested in me petting him instead of looking all around and interested in everything but me. That's a dog that's not really focused on people. Um, and then, you know, to feed him a treat and see if you can encourage him to make eye contact, to sit. Um, it's not that you're seeing how trainable he is. It's like, is he people friendly, you know, has, does he know how to react to people? And if you have a really great dog, what my sister and I would do is try to at, you know, get them to lay down using the snack, you know, don't force them to lay down, see if you can encourage them to lay down and then start messing with their feet. Um, dogs that are incredibly resistant to that are a bit of a challenge. Um, so that's how I handle going to a place where there's a lot of dogs you just know nothing about. To take them outside, get it quiet, have a snack, even take a brush and see if you can't brush them and just see what their reaction is. Now, in a rescue situation, um, our rescue, we put dogs in foster homes just to find out all this stuff about them. That's a, the best case scenario. Um, I also want to say that you would never consider a dog that growled or, um, you know, of course, snapped. Any of that kind of behavior, that's a special needs dog if that dog should even be adopted. And that is not a dog for a family, typically, or a busy farmer. Um, so going to dog rescues that are in those kinds of situations can sometimes be a really big benefit. And you have to know that there's going to be a lot of hoops you're going to have to jump through. And why is that? Because these rescues, they, like me, have seen the worst of the worst of people, the results of that. Dogs in bad situations, and when they rescue a dog, not only do they invest a lot of money in getting them healthy and ready to go to a new home, um, they're invested in those dogs. We see how people adopt dogs and then dispose of them in six months or in a year. That's why they're so extremely cautious. And I do understand that some of them go to extremes, and that's a whole nother conversation, but there's reasons for everything, y'all. So I think going to a rescue is a really great 
um, option if you have a rescue, whether it's a mixed breed or a specific breed rescue is a good option, but you have to know there's a reason it takes two months. Why? Because they're looking for people that are in it for the long haul, y'all. That's part of the screening process. I created that screening process for our rescue. It's like if people can't wait two months, then, you know, if you're that impulsive, you're also that impulsive person that when the dog eats your bed, you're quick to get rid of them. I'm telling you from experience, gang. So, like with Tucker, it was a friend of a friend. Um, I recommend doing those very same steps that we talked about for the pound on all of these dogs at a rescue situation or at a friend. And, you know, that can just help you so very much. And then lastly, I want to talk about um, going to that breeder. So, some red flags. And I'm sure I'm going to get some emails about this. But some red flags, if you've decided that you want to get a purebred dog because you're drawn to a certain breed for a specific reason. You know, people that love Goldens love Goldens. People that love Huskies love Huskies for what they are and what they do. People that love Corgis, people that love, you know, all the different breeds, people just connect with that. And I totally get it. And I would recommend that you go to that breed's club organization, like there's the Golden Retriever Club of America, the Cocker Spaniel Club of America. Those are places that have lists and resources, endless resources to help you find. You can also find rescues that way to help you find a dog breeder, a reputable dog breeder in your neck of the woods because they're going to screen you as hard as you're going to screen them, y'all. Um, and again, those clubs can help you figure out what the hereditary issues are with specific breeds. Um, and expect to wait. I know that my friend Laurie, who she um, she had puppies like every three to five years, maybe. She had wait. I mean, she never had to market a puppy. And y'all, that's how it should be with dog breeders. You know, they aren't pumping out puppies. They have puppies occasionally. And they always have people like us that are looking to get the puppy that really represents the breed, that's going to be as healthy as possible. I mean, we're talking about skin allergies and all that kind of stuff. Um, so choose wisely because it affects you for the rest of your life. And so when people say to me, oh, well, purebred dogs have so many more health problems. Well, I'm here to tell you all that mixed breeds have just about as many health problems but because we can't lump them as an identified group, like golden retrievers have hip dysplasia. Yep, they do, but so do a bazillion other dogs. Um, so you have to, that's a personal choice. And what you have to know is those mixed breeds are made up from these purebreds and those Mixes come with all the same health problems, just in different mixes. They're just a little bit more not detectable, or you don't know they're lurking there until they actually happen. And then the last thing I want to talk about is, should you get a puppy or an adult? And I want to bust 
the myth on this gang. So I want to tell you that there is an endless supply of amazing, wonderful adult dogs. And I would also go out on a limb here and say that 95% of the people looking for a dog or a puppy really should be looking at an adult dog. If you have kids, if you follow some of these steps, plus there are so many more steps, y'all. There's so much information on selecting a dog. Um, if you just take the time to figure it out, like the little things you can do to learn about a dog before you actually get it. Um, and I didn't really finish so about when not taking your kids. So for you to go to a pound and select the dog that you want, that you think is the best fit for your family, that organization is going to work with you to be able to say, hey, I really think this dog is the right fit for my family. I'm going to go get my kids now and bring them down here to introduce them. That's how you do that. Your children don't help you select the dog is what I'm saying to you. You're the adult, remember? Right? Would you let your kids pick the next house you're going to move into? I'm sorry. I've just seen the most crazy situations, y'all. And um, the results of those situations are the dogs become disposable. And it's all avoidable. So you go and do the homework and find the dog and then take your children to meet the dog. And they don't really even have to know that you've already selected it. You take them down and say, look at this one, right? So puppy versus adult. Um, I do not know the statistics because I've been out of the dog game for so long now. I don't remember, but I'm telling you, it is ridiculously high that this is one of my biggest beefs with all these people that breed dogs that aren't real true dog enthusiasts. Um, here's the thing. When you purchase a dog normally from a dog enthusiast, A, you sign a contract. And one of the clauses in the contract says, if you cannot keep this dog for any reason in any time in the future, I get the first refusal. You have to come to me first and say, you know, getting divorced, um, you know, we have to move, we're, you know, something has happened that makes you get rid of the dog. You have to go back to where the dog came from because y'all, you do not realize this, but like a high percentage, I'm talking over 50% of dogs purchased from people that call themselves breeders because the other part of those folks that are just kind of like breeding their dog, they don't screen puppy buyers like dog enthusiasts do. So many of those dogs are not where you they think they are in two years. So your breeder is also there to help you guys when you have problems, behavior issues. They'll help you through all that stuff. So because of all of that knowledge of how many people never make it through to the good years of a dog. Let's just talk about Goldens because that's what my experience is with. Living with a Golden Retriever for the first three to four years of their life, and even some dogs longer than that, because they are so high energy and so few people are equipped to, to fulfill that need, the dogs are like 
rebels. <laughs> they are so bad. How many Goldens did we take into the rescue between one and three years old? You should have heard the stories people told us. Oh, this dog is so bad. He does this, that, and the other. We put him in their foster home, and it's like the foster homes, of course, know the kind of the exercise needs of a dog, and they're fulfilling it. It's like, this is the best dog we've ever owned or, you know, fostered. What were those people thinking? That's the problem. Puppies from puppyhood through the teenage years into college years, that's how you have to think about it for a dog. Few people really make it through that unless they are truly, seriously dedicated and seriously equipped. And what do I mean equipped? With a large fenced-in yard, um, there is just really no reason we would not even consider adopting a dog under seven or eight to a family that didn't have a fenced-in yard um, because dogs have exercise needs, not only um, for safety issues, but those dogs need to run free chasing the ball. You cannot do that in an unfenced yard. You cannot do it. They need to chase the ball over and over and over and over again, day after day after day. Um, and you just cannot fulfill that need in an unfinished yard. So that was like just a no-brainer for us. Um, so having a fenced-in yard, having a dog crate, if you're a farmer, having an area where you can confine your puppy or young crazy dog when you're working in your garden, because you can't expect that dog to not stomp your garden. That's why we have a playpen. I call it a playpen. It's like an eighth of an acre for Tucker that where he can be when I'm in the garden. That's what I'm talking about being equipped. It takes stuff, thought, process, y'all. And having good, safe toys and teaching your dog to really um, chew those toys instead of chewing your stuff. Um, Y'all, there's just so much, but selecting your dog process really can make or break the way the rest of your life goes. And if you have a life with that dog, um, you know, there's, I always, and if you are a flower farmer listening to this, you know that I always have that's why I'm a successful flower farmer. I always have a backup plan. I always have, try to have everything I need. It wasn't always that way for me. And then I paid the consequences. But here's the thing. When you have a dog, it's a living thing. Stuff can happen to them. Um, or you can get put in a corner and you don't want that to happen. And you don't want to have to deal with bad situations. Um you know, and I am by no means a great dog trainer. I just had the blessed good fortune to fall in with a bunch of an amazing, professional, serious dog enthusiasts and to hang out with them for years and learn from them and see why and how they do things. And you know, the bottom line is if you are a young family, I highly recommend that you consider getting a young adult or an adult dog. And people tend to think, well, I don't know what their behaviors are going to be or, well, there are ways to figure out those things. But here's what I'm here to tell you. Your puppy can grow up to be that bad behavior dog because we bring it out in dogs by the way we treat them and live with them. Um, 
And, you know, some of the things that I talked about you do to screen a dog at a pound or a rescue or even from anybody um, will really help you flush out those things. And there are just thousands, millions of adult dogs that when you go through that screening process that you do without your kids, most often when you bring that adult dog home, 99% of the time in 30 days, it's like they were born and raised in your home. But guess what? You skip right all right past all the puppy, all the training. Tucker was a rebel when I got him. He was a wild man. And I talk about in Dogs in the Garden, some of the things that I did to help him learn how to live on my farm um, and to live with us. And by virtue of having a crate, having a check line, having a place to confine him out in the garden, and then most often exercising him, a tired dog is a happy dog. And if you think that's work, you haven't lived with a puppy. (laughs) Puppies are 20 times more work than that, and they take a long time, years, to come to what I feel like you can achieve in 30 days to really get them acclimated to your home. And within six months, Tucker was like, he was born and raised here and the best dog ever. Y'all, this is the longest podcast I've ever done. Um, I'm really passionate about this. I'm a serious dog lover and I have lived on both sides of the fence and it can be so avoided. And most people just don't know. They just don't know. And yes, if you if you go to one of these places that's pumping out puppies, you feel like you want to rescue a puppy, more power to you, but you better get equipped. Equipped to raise a puppy, equipped to deal with ever health, whatever health issues may arise. Um, I would suggest you listen to my previous episode, Dogs in the Garden. You know... There's just no better way than to have an adult dog. I only take adult dogs. We occasionally um, toy with the thoughts of getting a puppy, but it's like, why? There are so many adult dogs in need, and they, in fact, are the perfect fit for me with my busy life um, to be able to, within a short period of time, to have them really fit in to our home and family and um, lifestyle. Wish y'all could see him right now, stretched out, sound asleep. And, you know, Tucker is a, is a perfect poster child for getting an adult dog. And, um, you just have to do a little bit of homework, make adult choices of not involving your kids through that process. And then, you know, sharing that. I mean, Y'all, I'm just thinking back to some of the horrific situations and how many great dogs were given up because the people were at the end of their rope. They didn't, you know, if that would have been somebody that, let's just say, got a puppy from my friend Laurie, they'd have never gotten that deep because Laurie would have been touching base with them from time to time. How are things going? You know, they're like in the terrible teen years right now. So are they driving you crazy? What is he doing? You know, I'll be happy to help you with that. Let's talk about it. Come visit, you know. Um, That's the difference in buying from a serious, 
dog enthusiast that has the love of the breed in their heart or from a rescue or from an organization that those people have the love for all of those dogs and they just want to find that's why people call it forever homes y'all because you just don't understand some of those dogs that are going through they've tracked them through organizations how many times many of those dogs come back again and again it's because people aren't equipped they aren't they aren't choosing the dog for their life circumstance and that can change you know if once your kids are gone and if you have that love to rescue a special needs dog that's the time to do it but not when you have kids or you're still working full time anyway y'all i'm going to stop now so if you're loving my podcast please share it with your friends remember the gardenersworkshop.com is where you'll find me you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I do lots of live here from the farm. Tucker makes appearances. And I just thank you so much. And I hope this will help you choose your family's next companion. And um, so, friends, till we meet again, ciao.